Hey guys, another episode of Just Another Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. Today we have another episode of Movie Night with Josh Moulton of Queen City Cinema Club in Bangor. We talk our top 10 directors. So again, a tough list to, to work on because of the fact that there's such a great deal of things that make it so that you have a top director. Um, Josh has his own unique list. I have my own unique list. We don't know either, either one of our lists when we started recording this podcast. So it's kind of a surprise for all of us. So uh, tune in, listen up and any movie you want to watch on this list, let us know uh, or any recommendations, just let us know because we will actually get this to you uh, in a list for you as well. So, uh, or a, a way of watching it. Uh, if you're in Bangor, go to Queen City Cinema Club, watch it on the big screen. If you are not, rent it, buy it, download it, whatever you want to do because a lot of these movies are really good and the directors that make them are even better. So tune in. This is episode is the top 10 favorite directors of movies, mainly of all time. Uh, here's myself, Justin Soderberg, and Josh Moulton of Queen City Cinema Club for an episode of Movie Night here on Just Another Podcast. Enjoy, everybody. How's it going, Josh? Good, man. How about you? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, we, you know, I have. I don't know if you've noticed. I have a little bit different of a setup right now. Uh, yeah. We moved the studio from the den to my bedroom because we're making a baby room. And last time, I, or the last podcast before we went on break uh, for Christmas, I filmed in front of a white sheet thing. Like I have a projection screen. Yeah. And then I bought this black one that's behind the Walking Dead thing. Yeah. I thought I looked like uh, Edward Snowden. Like he didn't know where I was. <laughs> so I opted to find this piece of cloth that I bought for a dollar at Martin's and put it here. But so my bed's behind oh. that. So we're, yeah. we're in this bedroom studio now. It's a little bit different than before, but uh, yeah. Hey, I got a baby coming. I got to figure that out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also have moved locations once again. I think the first <laughs> one I was on with you, I was in the living room uh, and then, the, the one that I was running behind on, I ended up doing from my bedroom. Now I actually made it to the theater, figured we were doing top 10 directors, so I'd give you a little, my director, yeah. There you go. Hey, we had food there the other night. Excellent. Thank Excellent. you. Picked it up. Uh, we, I ordered it via Facebook Messenger because I'm friends with Josh, but I think you probably could do it through Queen City's Messenger, right? Yeah, you can do it pretty much any way you want. Give us a call, Grubhub, DoorDash, we're signed on with CarHop. And give us a call, send us a message, smoke signal. Yeah, uh, with Carhop, does that mean they can deliver beer too, or is that just yep. food? Oh, sweet. Yep. So that, yep. see, yeah, so beer, cocktails, merch, food, um, and they're locally owned too. So, mm. you know, we're, you know, what we would like to do ultimately if we can build up enough business with them, because they don't have the exposure that the national mm -hmm. chains have, but we would like to go through them exclusively and keep it local you know but right now you're just trying to get food and to be food and drinks and things in the people the hands yep, uh, hands of the people exactly. and uh we got i got some sliders that were amazing uh taylor loves pickles like that they're just the uh, like probably from your food suppliers basic pickles yep. Yep. but she loves those she wants to buy them by the jar so we'll be in touch about that we can um, do that. but yeah and then she got the cauliflower tacos and i got some sliders and we got some um fried cheese curds and yep. i had a kim from um who's that by um Single cut. Yeah, single cut. And it was delicious. Yeah. And we, we watched TV at our own house or movie at our own house and uh, ate food. Um, so that was really cool. 
Uh, we had been talking about it for a while, and then we finally did it. I'm like, hey, perfect. I'm talking to Josh on Monday. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so she just swung up and picked it up. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Happy to serve you. Yeah, see, there you go, right? Uh, it was funny because I was asking, asking Josh what beers he had in, you know, in stock, and he then listed off a couple and then sent me the link, which is yeah. exactly what I do for customers who contact Orno Brewing Company. <laughs> so then after you sent me the link, I was like, ah, oh, I kind of feel like a douche right now. I did, I did give you a list of like my best stuff there. And that's kind of what I was looking for, like what yeah. you like, what you, what, what you recommend. Kind of yeah, stuff. yeah. Um, well, you picked probably – what Kim is my one of my favorite beers over the last couple of years. Like every chance I get to drink one, I'm gonna drink one. It's a hibiscus sour lager, so it's like kind of floral and not super sour on the front end, and like then it's got that lager finish and it just smooths mm -hmm. it out, and it's just such a great beer. And I've been going towards the more sa kettle sours and sours more recently. I mean, I'm a big IPA yeah. fan, but like uh, I think over the past three months or so, my anxiety's like gone up to like level eleven. Uh, yeah. I never really had anxiety before 2020. So that's what, you know, screw COVID, but just 2020 as a whole has given me anxiety. Uh, yeah. And so I don't know about like every once in a while I get an upset stomach. And I feel like the sours are just something that, you know, just cal it calms me down, but it's smooth in my stomach. I don't know yeah. if it's like the lacto in it and all that stuff that does yeah. it, but, uh, uh but I've been drinking like, too. yeah, fruitful and, um, you know, our everlasting farm from Warner Brewing Company. That's why I was like, oh, you know what? I'll go with the sour from, um, yeah a single cut there so josh is here to talk we're here back to talk to movies again we're here to talk directors and just before we press record we talked about how it was kind of difficult to pick uh this list because there's number of ways you could do it top yeah. all-time directors that like have won awards and all that kind of stuff top me personally directors or just top good directors like you could figure that out so i think uh my list is a little bit of everything uh i don't know about you but uh, yeah i would say uh my list of directors that I left off is longer than my 10, obviously. At first I was like, I don't know. Uh, and then I just all of a sudden there's like floodgates open. Um, so I would say I, I tried to mix it best, as best as I could. So like these are respected, you know, they are in the top 50 directors, you know, without question, but with my kind of personal tastes applied. You know, so like I'll just start off, for example, Scorsese, not on the list. Obviously a top 10 director of all time. I love his movies, but there's just like other things I want to talk about. Like we know Scorsese, you know what I mean? So like maybe just as kind of an opportunity, maybe introduce some people to some things that they're not necessarily familiar with. And I think I did the same thing because I don't, so I, you were in movies differently than I'm in movies. Like you're in movies. Like, you know, if we did beer lists, your beer list would be different than my beer list because I'm in beer. And right. so I think there's a little bit of both. I think what I did when I figured out when I did mine, um, that there are a couple on there that probably aren't considered top 50 directors right now, but mm. I think maybe have the potential in the future or sure. have me gripped in movies more than anybody else has been able to do so to me it becomes like okay anything this person puts out i'm gonna have to watch because of the right. fact that uh and there is one like that in my top five which we'll get to um yeah. that probably people aren't like whoa really but i think that with what he's put out right now or they put out right now and what the future may look like it's gonna be a, you know a, a, a test of time uh for this director so yeah. Um, that being said, let's get started. So what we do on these top 10 lists is we do 10 through six for me, 10 through six for Josh, 
And then we go back and forth with five, four, three, two, one for each of us. The 10 through six, we'll kind of discuss a little bit, but we'll just really dive into the top five. Um, what I think I'm going to do just for my top, my bottom five is just name uh, the director and then a couple of movies they've been known for or movies that I, the reason why I like this director. Um, and then maybe a couple of small things if I have anything um, that I thought was kind of funny when I was researching their history. So we'll get started. Uh, number 10 for me. And again, this is one of those ones that people are going to be kind of questioning is James Gunn. And one of the reasons why is because one of my favorite movies in the world are superhero movies. And I just think that what he's been able to do with things like Guardians of the Galaxy uh, and what I'm hoping to see from Suicide Squad uh, from DC, hopefully he can make a DC movie, something that I really want to watch. Uh, so again, number 10 is a questionable one uh, for most people, but I had to put him in there just because of how well he did Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, number nine, again, <laughs> Russo Brothers. So the funny thing about the Russo brothers is they did four amazing movies together from Marvel Cinematic Universe, four of my top 10 favorite Marvel Cinematic movies of all time. Um, but I really give them credit for the Infinity War and Endgame movies. Again, my, one of my biggest passions in the world is comic books and then Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so if you had to pick a couple of directors from those 23 films that have been put out so far, they are definitely towards the top of that. Um, the funny thing I didn't realize until after I started doing this is they actually directed the pilot episode of Arrested Development. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, that even makes me even more like them a lot because I love Arrested Development and know that they did the pilot of it. It's pretty cool too. And they have directed things on their own, but I think yeah. one of the best things that happens is when they get together and do things together, yeah. I think just something that does something more than my brothers and I could do together for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number eight is Martin Scorsese. So you had him just off the list, um, but I do think that movies like Taxi Driver, Shutter Island, Departed, The Aviator. A uh, little caveat on that is I think anytime that Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese get together, it's pretty much going to be gold. So, I mean, yeah. The Aviator, The Departed, uh, Wolf on Wall Street, Shutter Island, all those movies are unbelievably directed movies. And yeah. then if you add in that the fact that those all also include Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Uh, number seven jumped way up more recently uh, when I did some more research. John Favreau. So again, we have some different tastes here, but yeah. John Favreau, not only because he made Iron Man and did a great job and he's been kicking ass at the Mandalorian uh, on Disney Plus, um, but he also did Elf, which is a historically, like now been a cl classic Christmas movie. Uh, yeah. And the movie Chef always gets me going. Like it's um, like a, if you want a good family movie, the movie Chef is like unreal because of those family story that's in it. Uh, he, he acts in it and he directed it. Um, also a great fun space themed Jumanji, Zathura, which is a fun movie yeah. also to talk about. Uh, and obviously he did Made as well back in 2001. Uh, and a couple, I will say one of the things that made him drop for me is the Lion King and the Jungle Book uh, re remakes. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, on my top 10 or bottom five, I should say, is Tim Burton. So the great thing, I, I go on and on and on about all his movies. Um, but what I will say is uh, he, there is five other directors that I like better than him, but I think that he is like he could be in the top five easily. He could be number one easily. Uh, and the funny thing is, the movie people know him the most for really is the Nightmare Before Christmas, and he didn't direct that movie. So he right. produced it and wrote it, but he didn't direct it. Um, yeah. But then you have Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, we talk about uh, on the Christmas movie, uh, the Batman, uh, Batman Returns. You have Sleepy Hollow, Mars Attacks, Pee Wee. Uh, he did Sweeney Todd, obviously. Um, and then another one cool I forgot he did was Big Fish. 
don't know if you ever saw Big Fish, but that's a great movie yeah. Uh, yeah. with him in it. So we got James Gunn, the Russo brothers, Martin Scorsese, John Favreau, and Tim Burton. A little weird there. I know they're not going to match up with your 10 yeah. through 6, um, but I think uh, those, I mean, if you think about it, I'd watch any of those movies right now and be happy to watch them. So For sure. Yeah, so um, I would say Tim Burton was in my top 10 at one point. He's kind of moved down as I worked through it. Um, concerning the Marvel stuff, I mean, they're just great movies. Like, like they, you know, if you hate superheroes or whatever, like it's not your bag, I get it, you know what I mean? But like uh, on, you know, like Captain American Civil War, like that's just like a good like spy thriller type thing or Winter Soldier, I should say, yeah. um, you know, but just like to be able to take all those characters, all those set pieces, all the computer work you have to do, uh, all those actors. I mean, we're talking about a, a humongous number of like really A-list actors all coming together for this, which may make it easier. I'm not sure. You know what I mean? I've never had the opportunity to direct something like that, but uh, you know, just the scale of it um, and for them to pull it off and make it look like you and I remember reading, you know, years ago, like it's just, it's like a, it's a feat of epic proportions, you know, so I, like, I guess definitely all the respect in the world, you know? Well, I guess it's one of those things that a lot of people don't put the, like the comic book movies up and their directors towards it. But I feel like there's something to say about, creating a movie that someone is expecting a certain way to go, like to go a certain right. way and have a comic book director or a director directing a comic book movie to be able to put it in a way. I mean, there's a lot of these movies, um, Endgame, like you mentioned, 19 either winners or nominated for Academy, Academy Awards in that one movie and just yeah. Endgame. So you're thinking about the, the star they have to deal with on that and make sure that the, the, the actors and actresses are listening to the director uh, to make the movie perfect uh, or as close to perfect as possible. But the other idea that like the Marvel movies are superhero, I'll, I'll focus on Marvel movies. Marvel has been able to put out movies that are like, you know, here's a political kind of style movie. Here's a heist movie. Here's a comedy. Here's the, so not just directing superheroes you're directing right. a style of film yeah. a genre. Um, yeah. in, in a genre so they're like each individual movie has their own it could be in the marvel cinematic universe superhero movie but really like there's comedies and there's there's yeah. you know dramas and so on so yeah. i think they that's why that i next, uh, put Russo brothers up there like that yeah for sure next next doctor strange is going to be straight actual horror movie <laughs> i'm like really looking forward to that uh new mutants was supposed to be too i'm not really sure how that turned out i haven't caught it yet but well uh isn't uh the new doctor strange movie is gonna be directed by sam raimi right which yep. started basically his his roots are in horror movies right uh, who also yeah. he also did the first three spider-man movies right. uh as well for sony um uh, back yep. in the day so let's talk about some heroes um but let's hear some uh some of your top what 10 through yeah. 6 yeah i mean you know, I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm looking at my list. That's like off the list. I'm like, man, I, I, I don't even, I'm still not sure about which way to go with it. You know what I mean? Um, but a lot of those are like foreign directors. So if you don't mind, I'll take a minute and just kind of run through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so John Woo, uh, people might know him in America for like broken arrow and face off, which face off one of my favorite action movies of all time, you know? Uh, but he also did a couple of, you know, well, a lot of films in Hong Kong shooters, uh, very elegant and, um, cinema, you know, the cinema is just like, it's like a ballet, yeah. you know? 
the killer and hard boiled. Um, Chang Che did all the Five Deadly Venoms movies, so Five Deadly Venoms, Return Five Deadly Venoms, uh, Kid with Golden Arms, old school seventies kung fu flicks with the Shaw Brothers. Um, Ed Spike Lee, I got Yorgos Lanthimos who did the Lobster, uh, the Favorite, um, Killing of Sacred Deer, just like Greek director, really really transcendent uh, stuff that he does. Uh, Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. <laughs> uh, Parasite is what everybody would know him for, but he also did um, Snowpiercer and uh, not the host, but there's another one that I'm thinking of, but just trying to get through these. Uh, Del Toro, um, Pan's Labyrinth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, David Cronenberg, Sidney Lumet did Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon, just, you know, had like a pretty awesome run in the 70s. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson's on there. Uh, Inyaritu uh, did Revenant. Um, and the other big one that was like right back to back. He won Best Picture two years in a row. Um, you know, and then you got like some of the classics like John Ford, Alfred Hitchcock, Fellini, um, Francis Ford Coppola. Like you just go on and on and on. So, you know, don't get too mad at us for leaving people off our lists, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I was like trying to stay off the air. I don't know if I said it off the air at the beginning of this podcast, which was the idea that, um, you know, there are movies that are absolutely amazingly directed. Right. But there's not movies that I'm going to be interested in watching. So at that, they drop down on the list because of the fact that I don't think about them in the forefront. So like Hitchcock, right. for example, I'm not going to regularly watch a Hitchcock movie. However, right. he did an unbelievable job directing movies. Like it's not, yeah. it, there's definitely directors out there that are going to be left off this list because right. they're not at the forefront of my, you know, yeah. if we're just yeah. going to talk about top directors, period, of all right. time, yeah, yeah, the list yeah. doesn't, we just, just go on and on and on, but like, yeah, have the top 10, so. yeah, yeah. Um, Birdman was the one that I was thinking of mm. back to back best picture. Um, so number 10, uh, Terry Gilliam uh, started out with Monty Python. Um, so he's got some, you know, co-directing uh, credits on those. Uh, he did the Jabberwocky was his first movie. Um, but, you know, uh, the top three for me, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Is just, you know, amazing. <laughs> uh, 12 Monkeys and Brazil, which we talked about on the Christmas podcast, but you know, he's got a lot of stuff that's just, you know, it's out there. It's weird and wacky and fun stuff, you know. Which is you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like me. Uh, number nine, I get the Coen brothers. Um, it, it just, you know, a, a lot of these directors are going to be people, if you walked into a room and you were educated in other things that they've done and seen things that they've done, you walk into a room, see something that you don't know what it is and you know who the director is, you know watch a Coen Brothers movie for three or four minutes, but they're like, you know, kind of very varied in their stories and their plots. And this, again, very quirky. I mean, Big Lebowski, Raising mm-hmm. Arizona, um, just, you know, it just, you, you, <laughs> the classic movies. I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, they're just awesome. Um, number eight, uh, Verna Herzog is, uh, does a lot of documentary stuff. So he did Grizzly Man about the guy that went and lived with the bears and then got eaten alive. Um, one of my favorites is uh, uh, Encounters at the End of the World. He goes and lives in uh, Antarctica with the scientists and like they like shoot a bunch of stuff underwater with all these weird animals floating around and just like what it's like to live at the end of the world and 
be like isolated like that. Um, and he's like very involved in his documentaries. His voice is very distinctive. Um, you know, he gets some flack for that, for like kind of interjecting himself into these things. But like, he, you know, and he was actually in The Mandalorian as well. Um, in the first season, the older guy that's just kind of sitting there waiting for him to bring baby Yoda back to him. That's, that's Werner Herzog. Oh, that's I would, awesome. I would like to see the baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, you might have seen that meme. I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, I got, um, this is where I got tough was figuring out who's in my top five and not, but, um, I'm going to go Wes Anderson. Oh, there he is. <laughs> but Wes Anderson. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was yeah, Wes Anderson, Anderson. Number seven. Yeah, yep, number seven. So, you know, uh, probably in the top 50, definitely not in the top 10. Very, very, very signature style. Um, but everything, he, um, if he, if his movie, like you said, if his movie's in the theater, I'm going to see it. Yeah. Um, he's just, uh, you know, he's got a, a very branded aesthetic and it's kind of like putting on a old hoodie or something, you know, mm -hmm. every time he makes a movie. Um, so yeah, Royal Tenenbaum is probably my favorite, but you know, you can just go on and on with, you know, Life of Dogs is most recent, uh, Moonrise Kingdom, um, Grand Budapest Hotel, Darjeeling Limited, you know, um, he's awesome. Life Aquatic, Steve Zizou. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uses, uses Bill Murray a lot. You can't go wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number six, David Lynch. So, like you said, we have some different tastes. I like the weird stuff. Um, what can you say? You know, Twin Peaks, Eraserhead, Mulholland Drive, Blue Velvet, just everything he does is art at its, you know, peak. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. So, Terry Gilliam, um, Coen Brothers, Werner Herzog, Wes Anderson, David Lynch. I love that that is no connection at all and it doesn't mean anything, but both of our number nines are brothers. Yeah. <laughs> the Russo brothers and the Cohen brothers, you know, there you go. It's just like a brother, brother team, which I also love because uh, I do love my brothers, but there's no way I would ever be able to do something as uh, hard and lengthy as directing a movie together with them because yeah. I just, it would not work for sure. It would not work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let alone directing a movie with anybody else. Right. Not just, just, your brother, but just another person right. working equal. Uh, there was something that we were just talking about. Oh, Spider-Verse, Into the Spider-Verse had three directors on it. I can't imagine what we'd like to work with three different directors trying to make a movie. But yeah. um, the director, um, you know, like you said, with some of those movies like Wes Anderson, the Coen Brothers, uh, for sure, uh, Terry Gilliam, that you know it's a movie made with them as the director at the helm right. because of the movie. Like within a couple of minutes of the movie or halfway through, you're like, this has got to be... And then you, yeah. oh yeah, it's a Coen Brothers movie or so on. Um, yeah. But that's part of the reason why we wanted to do director. I wanted to do directors is because there is this stamp that's on movies that are when the director's a part of it. Uh, yeah. Less likely for the executive producer or any of the other person, potentially the writer. But otherwise, it's really, you know, and there is some things like cinematography and, you know, um, stuff like that where you can tell that. Soundtrack. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, which would actually be kind of fun one to do is uh, soundtracks. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, so I mean, you know, academically speaking uh, in film, you know, there's the auteur theory where basically that director is kind of the first mover and everything that is produced in that film 
is marked by them and them alone. You know, more recently, people have started to kind of bring in that multiplicity of all of the elements that are going into it, money, money, you know, producing actors, even, you know, set design, everything like that. It is a group effort, you know. So um, it's interesting that you can have a director go in and make their vision every time, you know, and that, I think that's kind of like what I gravitate to in this list. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. And after I get closer to the, you know, my top five, there's maybe one or two of them are not ones that you'd be like, Oh, I think that's that person. Um, but like, there's definitely at least two or three of them that are like, okay, this person without even knowing the film, I'm like, okay, I guarantee you this is who made it uh, yeah. or who directed. I mean, and that's what's going to come out to. So number yeah. five for me, we'll jump right in. One of them, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. So Quentin Tarantino makes movies that are just, odd as hell in my opinion because i'm not as far into movies as josh is so when i say odd or different josh probably has a different definition but he will agree most likely that quentin tarantino makes odd movies let's be honest yeah absolutely uh, but like some of my favorite ones he's ever worked on was like reservoir dogs pulp fiction two of his early films that he did uh, obviously both kill bill um, volume one and volume two were great um and then excuse me more recently once upon a time in hollywood and django unchained um he was special guest director on sin city um but again if you look at all the the movies they're not just your straight ahead you know movies that are gonna be summer blockbuster movies they are movies that are, you have to like invest into an art form um that, that comes out to be a perfect movie and he is just an odd duck um but again i will watch reservoir dogs over and over and over and over again um and the same thing with the kill bill and obviously the pulp fiction uh is a classic movie as well um there's you know, one of those things that to become a cult classic movie, it can't just be made by nobody. The person who made the movie is going to have to become a, a household name. And that's what right. Quentin Tarantino has done with, again, early films like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. So number five for me, Quentin Tarantino. Good choice. Yes. My number five. So. Yes. Darren Aronofsky. Um, same thing. He's just, it's everything he makes. You know what it is and it is strange and it's cringy and difficult to watch and i like movies that make me feel things so sometimes i want to laugh and sometimes i want to you know whatever but like sometimes you just you want to be tortured a little bit and mm -hmm. he's great at it you know so uh directorial debut was pie um shot in black and white uh has to do with uh the kabbalah and numerology and a dude that's building a computer in his apartment. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, you know, Requiem for a Dream, uh, just unbelievable piece of filmmaking. Um, you know, certainly a different narrative structure. Um, very, very difficult to watch. Very, very important to watch, I think. You know, and then um, probably not as well known for some of the other things that he's done, but I thought The Wrestler was amazing. Uh, that's like one of my like dark horses as far as like things I'll suggest to people, you know, if they're looking for something, uh, the fountain, um, even took me like four or five tries to actually get through the whole thing. But then once I'd seen the whole thing and it's entirety great, you know, uh, mother is the thing that, you know, and Noah are his two most recent films that people may be more familiar with. And if you saw mother, then you have an idea of, you know, what the back catalog looks like. <laughs> That's awesome. 
I mean, yeah. Requiem from a Dream is obviously yeah, as a classic, and it also again has that stamp uh, on it that you know um, who made the film. Uh, there's certain things, so I've been trying to um, digitalize a lot of my um, movie catalog onto Plex, and I've been you know I own the movies for most of these movies, so I'm just ripping them on my computer and putting them on Plex so I can watch them in the other room, uh, and uh, trying to figure out the movies that I don't have, and then I figured out i was like i don't have requiem for a dream and it was just it baffled me that there's certain movies that you have yeah. and they why how the hell did i get this movie and then i realized that there's movies that are missing out of my collection and i'm like well josh doesn't have that problem because he pretty much has yeah. every movie um well, i will tell you actually like two nights ago i was i think i was like late night 3 a.m netflix scrolling and just like i don't have that movie i don't have that movie i don't have it and i was like so ashamed you know i was in like I don't know. I've been into like 80s horror a lot lately and then just kind of like classic 70s stuff that I remember from my childhood. And I was just like, I don't have a copy of that. And even so, even with my collection, you'll still find, you know, that <laughs> you want more. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is it, it, but the cool thing about, you know, having a, a, a business that focuses around movies is that you can get a movie, put it in your collection if you want it, because someone may day, one day may ask to watch that movie. So sure. So number four for me is going to be more of a um, cop-out in a sense and more of a I can't not put them on this list. And then I put them up uh, towards the 10. Excuse me. But then I pushed them down just because of the quality of the movies that come out. It's Steven Spielberg. I mean, I, with, with the, what he's created over the years and what he touches becomes gold, part of that has been become like some of these directors, the more off the wall directors are Quentin Tarantino's, Arnofsky's, uh, Wes Anderson's, those Terry Gilliam, those are like, you don't just get offered films because you're a good director. You get offered to, to, to create something that's odd. Steven Spielberg, yes, as his career progressed, when there's a company out there be like, we need this movie to just be a blockbuster. They call someone like Steven Spielberg because he can get it done. There's no specific stamp on his movies. There's no, he just does the job well. And that's, you know, so you can think back on it. If anybody doesn't know Jaws, Indiana Jones, ET, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, um, Hook, great movie with Robin Williams. I love that movie. Um, he did the Lincoln movie, which was really good. He just recently, or more recently, did Ready Player One, which I thought was a pretty good adaptation of the book. Uh, and then Minority Report, Jurassic Park. So it goes on and on and on. Uh, Spielberg also produces a lot of stuff as well. Um, but just he, if you want a good movie that's like just summer blockbuster, and you call Steven Spielberg and he's available, I mean, he's, it's going to make you know over $500 million easily. Yep. Uh, there yep. has been a couple of flops, um, but like it's just it's basically his... You know, but giving him credit back to the back in the past, Jaws was the first summer blockbuster ever. It was the first one that was deemed a movie that made so much money in the summertime that it definitely defined what a summer blockbuster was. And that was back in 1975. So he did, he has been a good director for a number of years. Um, but Steven Spielberg, again, you're not going to get anything off the wall, really. You're not going to get anything unusual. It's just he's going to get the job done well and make you, your company some money. So if you're just looking right. for that kind of director, Steven Spielberg is available that they're going to call on him. So yeah. Steven Spielberg, number four, uh, again, a little high, but again, with the quality of the movies that he did, I just couldn't, I couldn't stop yeah, putting him. It's well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is, it is a business that's, you know, they're aiming to put butts in seats and, you know, and, and like, it's almost, it's, it's one of those things where it's like almost too good to be like, when you list that list of movies, you're like, I mean, we're not talking about like, like Marvel has like, 
a fan base built already. I mean, he made E.T., <laughs> you know, or, Indi- you know, I mean, Indiana Jones, like, these are, are household names, like, woven into the cultural fabric, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, like you said, and he, he doesn't really miss. No, and if you go back on it, he also, I believe, was a producer on The Goonies, if I'm correct on that, too. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of movies he's touched, but, like, if you think back on it, Think back of some of these movies that are unbelievable historic movies, um, you know, the Star Wars franchise or um, things. Like, but then there's like actors or people in those movies that never did anything else. Correct. That makes any sense. And there's directors that made classic movies that did one good movie and never really caught on to anything else. Um, but if you look back on Spielberg, it's like, okay, Jaws, yeah. Indiana Jones, E.T., Close Encounter. Like those movies are cult classic movies. Right that you could just continue to blow one out of the water every time. Okay. Then he obviously has some, some knowledge and some, some talent to be able to do that. Right. Um, yeah. But like, you know, there are movies, people who make unbelievable movies. They just can't find that follow up. And Steven Spielberg was being able to do that and make a, an amazing career out of it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well-deserved. Yeah. Mm. Uh, number four for me, um, a little, probably the opposite actually. Uh, Jean-Luc Godard. Uh, French New Wave director uh, from the 60s. (laughs) Justin's losing it. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's very obscure for people uh, that are used to like Hollywood and stuff like that. But, um, you know, like, and and then on the other side, when you like get to like the academic side of it, it's like kind of a joke. Like my, you know, my film teacher, forced me to watch French New Wave films. Again, not easy to watch, you know. It's the narrative structure is all over the place. Um it's in French, you know. So but like the the impact uh that he had, you know, on French cinema cinema and worldwide cinema really uh it can't be overstated. Um you know he's a humongous uh influence for Tarantino. If you watch Tarantino movie, the way that those things are structured, the weird little cuts, the weird little, you know, things, you know, funny little mistakes that happen, um, stuff like that, because Godard basically thought that he was, you know, in a sense, documenting life, like, you know, cinema's life at 24 frames per second. Um, So, you know, uh, just to name some of the films that you may or may not be familiar with uh, Breathless, uh, Bend Apart, which is what Lawrence Bender and Quentin Tarantino named their uh, production company after, um, and uh, Contempt, um, Le Pierre uh, Pierre Fieu. Um, Just like, I guess, you know, quick film class on it, I guess. Basically, he saw everything being very regimented. Uh, We were trying to create the invisible camera. Uh, Films were made in a you know processing plant a Ford assembly line so to speak and he started out as a a critic um, in France with a number of other people they all became directors and basically turned the whole thing upside down it's very film noir uh, type of feel to it Um, you know and just kind but like you'll see cameras weird cuts weird uh, you know voiceovers Um, it's just it's something that matters in the history of cinema. I'll put it that way. And he's still alive. I didn't. Like, he's ninety. Yes. That's yeah. crazy. I didn't and, like yeah. that. 
very political he, director as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and is, you know, the kind of second half of his career, everything is um, very politi- political um, and not so much uh, this, you know, kind of dramatic storylines they've mm-hmm. seen before, but just like fashion, um, color, uh, you know, Anna Karina is one of my all-time favorite actresses. Just, there's so much there to like dig in and pull out. Um, if you want a good introduction, there was like a kind of semi-auto or semi-biographical uh, film made, uh, Godard Monomore, a couple years ago. Really, really good. Um, and then takes some of the elements that he used in his filmmaking and like intersperses it throughout the documentary, you know, biopic. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like, you know, interesting way that they did that and like paid homage to him within the film using his style in a completely different genre. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say about that. Well, it's, 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 it's the, again, it's one of the reasons why I like doing this with you. So like I do, uh, we do um, hoppy hour with Adam Morissette from Deer Go Draft Lines Cleaning and we talk beer, but Adam and I have such a similar beer palette and taste and likes mm-hmm. um that becomes very not stagnant but a lot of our discussions be like oh yeah that movie or that thing or yeah that thing it's like it's just becomes the similar thing um when i do um pull list with 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 paul eaton from galactic comics he's more of a you know joker and gi joe and i'm more marvel so that also creates that thing but one of the reasons why i like doing this with you is that you have your um background in film uh and in you know you went to school we had school filming school stuff or filming school but like school about film and then i am a, just a novice that likes to watch movies and collect movies right. so it's like um the difference that i see versus was i would never have ever put that on a list of top 50 because i just didn't know him and that's right. what's cool about it is like you learn yeah. more and i'm hoping that that's what this does this list does to people is to allow them to think outside the box a little bit uh yeah. i can do a little bit more you know mainstream and you can go off the side a little bit and absolutely happy I mean, my top three are, you know, everybody knows who my top three are, you know. So my top three, I, I still, I, 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 the number one's going to be funny for, not funny, but a fun one to talk about because of how many times they've been like, oh, really? I freaking love that movie. I didn't realize that person was the director. <laughs> but number three for me, Christopher Nolan. Uh, okay. Okay, so Christopher Nolan, and a funny thing about it is a lot of people, if you look back on if you ask someone Christopher Nolan, they're going to talk Batman, right? I mean, like a lot of people who are, especially in the comic book world, they're going to talk Batman, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight, you know, those movies. Uh, more recently, he just did Tenant. I haven't got a chance to watch it yet, but I've heard it's pretty good. Um, yeah. It'll, I saw the preview the other night. It looks amazing, you know. So I will be watching Tenant. Oh, he did Inception. Interstellar was amazing. But really, my favorite movie he's ever done is Memento. Uh, yeah. That movie is just always a movie that I'm just like, whenever someone asks me top movies of all time, it's actually in my top 15 movies, top 10 movies, because of the great story behind it. I mean, the guy has um, short-term, no, long-term memory loss. And so he has tattoos on his body to remember like his social security number and stuff like that. And it's, it's direct, it's filmed backwards, right? Is that, right. yeah. So like it starts with the end of the movie basically and tries to go backwards to the, find out where he was at the very beginning of the movie, quote unquote, or the part. Just an unbelievable way of making a movie. And it's not a, I don't know many people talk about it. It's just weird. And Christopher Nolan is a very, very, very prominent director in Hollywood. Uh, And this movie is not one that people, when they talk about Christopher Nolan, again, you talk Batman, you talk uh, Insomnia was pretty good too. Um, But then you also talk, like I said, Prestige. 
But then I said more recently, you have your Interstellar, which is, again, I think it was an unbelievable movie. Another movie where you look back and you're, it makes you think. You watch the movie over again. Same thing with Memento. Uh, honestly, with all these movies, a lot of them are like Inception. Watch the movie again. Catch something different. Yep. And that's something yep. that he does well. That I'm not going to name the other director who doesn't do catch me as much because I don't want to ruin it if it is in your top three, but I'm guessing he's not. Um, but yeah, so the idea that his movies are recognizable to me and my top five ones aren't uh, yep. Dark Knight Rises and Batman. Like, right. As a, as a comic book fan, having a director in my top three that's a superhero director and have them not be the superhero movies that are my favorite, I'm pretty happy about. So if anybody hasn't seen Memento, watch Memento. <laughs> yeah. I would say uh, The Prestige is actually a movie that I go back and watch a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, part of it might be because you know it's got David Bowie as Nikola Tesla, but you know. <laughs> well, I mean, you'd watch anything with David Bowie in it, so yeah, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm interested to know who the, the other person you were talking about is. But um, number three for me, uh, you already named him, um, Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, influence on my life and what I like and uh, how I got into the whole thing, like he's number one. Um, but, you know, I, there's a couple of people that I had to like pay tribute to uh, with number two and number one, uh, you know, um, because that's what he does is pay tribute to all of his favorite stuff. He's got an encyclopedic knowledge of, you know, film, film history and not just like classic stuff but stuff that nobody else knows about you know he came up working in a video store uh which is pretty much like my dream job and um just got to sit around and talk about film all day and uh you know if you're if you if you go down the rabbit hole and you follow the threads that he puts in his films then you get to like learn about all this cool stuff in the historical sense but then also the next time you see one of his films, you get to laugh when nobody else is <laughs> laughing, you know, because you're like, oh, that's from, you know, yeah. this, you know, whatever, crazy grindhouse exploitation flick from 1973 or whatever. So, um, you know, one of the things that an, another common thread throughout my list is like uh, when, I was, when I was taking philosophy classes, a big thing for me that attracted me was uh, people that defend philosophy and the act of doing philosophy. So they write about uh, what's the meaning of life or what is love or whatever like that. But while they're doing it, their process actually defends the way that they're doing it. So you're like, okay, you are not wrong because you have just proven to me that this is the best way to do it. That's the same thing with filmmakers. It's like, you know, yes, I'm watching it for the story. I'm watching it for, you know, uh, visual spectacle and everything else but also like my favorite films are films about movies you know um and my favorite kind of thing that I, I like to see is all right entertain me you know make me think make me feel something but also defend cinema as an art form and tarantino is doing that it's like crazy out and you're you know you said you know maybe i don't think he's out there he's out there as far as like coming out in 1994 and putting all these, you know, a lot of has been actors in this film or people that hadn't quite hit yet. I mean, Sam Jackson was not a big actor at that time and um, had struggled for years. He was pretty old at that point. Like when you guys break, you know, uh, Bruce, 
Bruce Willis was not John Travolta. It was like off the map. Mm-hmm. They took, and then, and then you see Jackie Brown, Pam Greer, you know, um, Robert Forster, you know, and it's just like uh, Michael Parks appears in a number of movies. And so he's a historian and I'm a historian. So it just like really everything that he makes. And another thing that you had mentioned, um, you know, we were talking about events like uh, Star Wars, Marvel movies, Lord of the Rings. These are events. The only director that I can think of that when his movie comes out in cinemas, that's an event. And everybody knows that Tarantino is coming out with another movie and everybody's going to the theater to see what Tarantino does this time. That's him. That's it. Like nobody else is doing that. Nobody else is going, like all due respect, most people aren't going, oh, Chris, new Christopher Nolan. It's not an event like that. Right. And so he's a master of, you know, promotion and self-promotion and all that. But um, he also makes really fun movies. <laughs> well, I will say that Christopher Nolan became an event this year because he created a movie that came out during a pandemic when no one else is releasing a movie. That's right. why Christopher Nolan had with Tenet. Yep, for sure. Uh, but cool. and one movie I actually forgot to mention, uh, when I mentioned Twin Tarantino, that's an excellent movie and has one of my favorite people in Hollywood in it, Brad Pitt, is Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. So, I mean, there is this thing. There's something about Quentin Tarantino that just does it for me, and I'm glad he is in your top uh, five as well. I was wondering whether or not we'd get to number one and there'd be one, we would have a first list uh, yet that didn't have matching ones, but yeah. um, for any of the list yet of that I've done so far with anybody. Um, yeah. But you're right, though. The, the, the event. The one thing I will say is I didn't put on my list of movies that I, I did not watch because I felt like people – I usually don't listen to people when people are like, don't see that movie because right. usually I have a different opinion on it. Plus, I also feel like – Yes, I'll listen to people that kind of get my idea whether or not I get hyped for a movie. Um, right. But I don't usually take that to, to, to heart and say, no, I'm not going to go see that movie. I didn't see The Hateful Eight. Um, it's a more recent uh, Quentin Tarantino movie. There was this big hype about seeing it because it was a Tarantino movie. But I feel like a couple of people that I know said it's not worth it. And so I didn't see it. But there's now making me think back on they both be in our top five that I feel like it's a movie I should just at least go see or watch. I mean, yeah, I believe it's is it is it Netflix? Yeah, it's, it's on, on Netflix. Netflix okay, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, you so just it's, borrow it from me. I'll yeah, send exactly. It your next takeout order. <laughs> but the idea that the uh, um, that it's a movie that Quentin Tarantino has done more recently that I haven't seen um, is probably just something I should see. But again, for some weird reason, that was one of the movies that someone was like, "Oh yeah, not worth seeing." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, I won't see it then." And then yeah, I'm like, "Wait, I don't feel I don't that do way. that." But, and that, which is good. I'm glad. And that's yeah. reason why I don't listen to people, and I don't know why I didn't listen right. to people. I was just like, yeah. and I, I literally was putting movies on a list. I skipped it. Because I'm like, ah, I heard it wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, that's the problem with being at work is the phone rings. Um, do you want to get it? You're closed, aren't you? So you don't want to yeah, get it. Yeah, I'm closed. My, my virtual self will get it on the voicemail. <laughs> yeah, so I would say uh, a lot of the times, uh, you know, owning this place, I get people coming in and go, what's, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> you know, I go, well, you know, that's a tough question. What, you know, what time is it? Um, one of those answers is, uh, always, I don't know, probably Kill Bill Volume 1. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm huge into, you know, the samurai flicks. I'm huge into the martial arts movies. And uh, it's just, you know, it's it's always going to be one of those things I mention. And they go, really? I go, yeah, it's amazing, you know. Well, I mean, also, if you think back on it, I'm looking at this list of movies. I have a bunch of them listed, too, with the movies in it and all the directors that I've liked so far. So you go back, James Gunn, the movies I've listed, male actors are the, are the key role, right? 
the Russo brothers, again, male actors, Martin Scorsese, most of those are the male actor lead. John Favreau, most of them are male actor leads. Um, Tim Burton has a little bit back and forth, but I think most of it's male actor leads. Uh, but, but, but then you look at Quentin Tarantino, one of the best movies he's ever created was Kill Bill with a female lead. So it actually is pretty cool to see that, um, that there should be, there's looks like there's leaning toward more diversity uh, and gender equality in, in Hollywood. But like that was Kill Bill volume one and two were years ago. Uh, yeah. And he was able to create a cult classic movie with a female lead, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, well, I mean, uh, Jackie Brown, Pam Greer, yep. Yep. Um, death proof, which was the second mm-hmm. half of grindhouse films, you know, yep. um, was almost entirely female except for Kurt Russell being the, you know, the heel. Um, so yeah, I, you know, he, he's done a lot for, uh, like I said, cinema in general, American cinema, mm-hmm. he, you know, a million people tried to make what he was making after yep. he made it. Like he's so influential. And then the entire rest of the nineties was just like, dude's trying to make quirky gun heist movies. Which is funny. Cause you can see, you can look at it and go, Oh, they're trying to make a Tarantino. But that's yeah. not Tarantino. Like, it's just, right. you can tell that. Yep. And it's crazy how you can tell that because it's not him film, physically filming it or acting right. in it or right. editing it or, you know, yep. all that stuff is not just him. So he's directing a number of people to make it to become a film that's, that's his film, uh, which yep. is pretty cool. Yeah. So, glad we have both top five, which is pretty cool. Quentin Tarantino, number two for you. Number two for me is out of left field, but it's got the hugest, brightest future, in my opinion, for movies that I'm ever going to watch and has a quirky, comedy sensibility to him Taika Waititi so Taika Waititi has honestly a very short list of movies that he's directed so far right Uh, again this one jumped way up just because I feel like my love for Marvel movies is pretty up there Um, but also like I don't there's something about his just him as a person when he acts or does interviews or talks to people or the way he's on set behind the scenes looking at people like the behind the scenes things I've seen um, he Again, short list of films he's done so far, but they've all been really cool films, in my opinion. Like, boy, uh, you know, uh, what we do in the shadows, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. And then you have Thor Ragnarok, that was an absolutely stellar, one of, honestly, my top favorite superhero movies of all time because of what it encompasses as a whole. There's action, there's the comedy in it, there's heartfelt things in that. Uh, he is Korg, which is a great acting. Oh, actually, I have Korg as a bobble, too. I only have a few left out. Um, oops like cork um but there's the um just what he said and then jojo rabbit again take yep. a serious kind of sad horrible mark on our entire history of the world and create something as artful as jojo rabbit uh yep. and then i'm obviously looking he did a great episode and you knew it was his episode of the mandalorian like when yep. there was that serious moment where the two stormtroopers have baby yoda and they're jabbing back and forth with each other and saying stupid stuff that's when you're like, okay, this is a Taiko Watiti episode. If, I had to, if you didn't tell me which episode was Taiko Watiti's, I would have known right. this one was the one. Uh, yeah. And then he's going to be doing Lord, uh, Lord, uh, Thor Love and Thunder uh, yeah. coming up, which I'm really excited about. And he's doing a comedy for FX. I don't know if you've heard about this. Reservation Dogs. <laughs> it's a comedy that's coming out on FX. I don't know much about it yet, but obviously it's a pun on yeah. Reservoir Dogs. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that as well. And I thought, most of the directors we've talked about in our top 10 are action, drama, more serious films. Taika has that ability to take a serious film and do the Marvel effect to it, in my sense, that one of the greatest Marvel directors is Taika Waititi because he fits that 
that um, mold, um, yeah. but also the ability to have some tug of your heartstrings and do some serious things with the movie, but yeah. also bring that comedy into it to make you go, you know what? Not everything in this world is serious. And that's right. one of the things I love about Marvel movies as a whole, but Taika Waititi's uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, yeah. And then again, Jojo Rabbit, Hunt for the World of People, all the different things he's done. Yeah. And that's why I think in the top five, I was thinking more towards the future because I feel like he could be yeah. a Tarantino, you know, you, you could be your Tim Burton's in my list. The, the people of uh, why those directors got pushed out of the top two uh, yeah. because he could have a, a future like his or like theirs, um, but also have the Marvel connection that I like. So I picked Taika TV at number two. We probably could have been dropped a little bit further than that up to towards 10, but I just think I, th- I felt like I had to write to my list yeah, for absolutely. the future as well. And I feel like he has a yeah. humongous future in front of him. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's awesome. He's not that young. I mean, he's not young, but he yeah. just got his start. And I think one of the things that Marvel has been able to do with their movies is give the rang the reins to some unproven uh, directors. Yep. And they've been able to you know run with it. If you look at some of the movies that have come out, there's not, I mean, even some of the movies that are coming out in 2021 for Marvel, no name directors, quote unquote, that probably right. will end up making their mark on, on the film industry at some point. Right. Uh, but Taika Waititi is number two for me. Again, a little out of left field. Yeah. But there's something about him I just love. I like it. I mean, the, you know, uh, I don't think comedy gets as much uh, credit as it should, like, you know, from the Academy and all that. But uh, comedy is the hardest thing to do, you know. So, and he nails it, man. What we do in the shadows is amazing. Um, I love it. And, you know, like you said, uh, the Thor movie is probably, I would say, uh, you know, maybe except for the first Avengers, I've gone back and watched that probably more than any of the others. Um, it's Taylor's favorite movie of all time. Yeah. It's yeah. Thor Ragnarok. And I asked, like, obviously she never would have watched it with me without me because of the fact of my Marvel love. Right. When she goes to watch it, she goes, this has everything in it. There's like yeah, sad does. moments because yeah. he's no longer home and trying to get back home. And then there's these, yeah. you know, she has the alcohol. Uh, Valkyrie has that alcoholism. Like I'm done yeah. with being an Asgardian, uh, the collector. Like, honestly, yeah. like he couldn't have directed him any better yeah. than that. Jeff Goldblum yeah. is absolutely perfect in that movie. And then you add in the fact that he's an amazing director that plays a character like Korg, which is right. one of my favorite characters that's ever been created. Another day, yeah. another Doug. Um, but yeah, so like Thor Ragnarok becomes her, like she's like literally like, what do you want to watch? I'm like, she's like, huh, Thor Ragnarok? I'm like, oh my God, we've seen that movie a million times. <laughs> I'm rewatching it right now. Like I'm rewatching the cinematic universe because I just got yeah. bored and wanted to start watching it again. And she's like, when's Thor Ragnarok? I'm like, wait, we got some movies to go before we get there, okay? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. so Taika um, Waititi. And plus he has a cool badass name. Like, Yeah, for sure. Um, so my number two is uh, Kira Kurosawa. Uh, it, you know, <laughs> what can you say? Seven Samurai, um, basically like the entire motivation for the American Western, you know, as we know it, um, you know, and just, this is one of those that's like, you know, even though I didn't put like Scorsese or Spielberg or, other directors on there it was somebody that i needed to put on there no matter what because they are it's just it's it's just another level this one and my number one they're just it's another level of filmmaking and um i don't know i just it i think one of the more telling things is that you know one of my favorite things that he did was dreams 
which is semi-autobiographical. He basically like wrote all of his dreams in a notebook and <laughs> then turned them into vignettes, into a film. But it's also like very, um, it, it's basically like a Japanese environmentalist film uh, talking about uh, nuclear power and, you know, the the things that we so when we reap, we reap, we reap, we weep what we will so yeah. <laughs> you know, as far as uh, technology and um, you know, and maybe maybe it's you know a little bit of personal bias because it came at a time in my life, you know, when I started when I saw that film that I was like studying the same thing, so it just kind of all got wrapped up, but um, just beautiful, haunting, um, you know creative just like it, it, it's like this is almost the reason why i didn't put it on there is because i was like i knew i was gonna have such a hard time actually talking about it because it's <laughs> yeah. just it's uh it's atmospheric and ethereal and just like you can't you have to watch it and then understand it and part of that probably is like the language barrier for me you mm -hmm. know what i mean but like at the same time to think that somebody in a completely different time period and a completely different place in the world with completely different experiences can make something that makes me go you're my second favorite director of all time you know yes. like that that's what we're talking about is like a language where people can all sit together and see something and experience something and then bring it back to their lives and be able to congregate over it you know well, I mean, part of it, I think is like I said to be able to be speechless in a sense about that person says something yeah. as a whole too when you think about a movie when you sit when you finish a movie and you sit back and you go like you just you just you try to take it in yeah. the movie you immediately the movies you watch that have a director or someone someone attached to it that you speak immediately about bad about it it's obviously a bad right. movie because it's all you remember yeah. from the movie but the idea that you were able to speak about um your number two like that and be like oh i really don't know what to say about this means a lot right. because it says this makes you leave you speechless the movies leave you speechless right. which is great yeah He's just a master, man. Like, it's just, you know, like there's, not to go back to dream, you know, dreams is not like on the, you know, Yojimbo and, uh, you know, like I said, Seven Samurai and it's just, but there's this one that he does where uh, this guy goes looking him, you know, he, he goes looking for he's in a museum and then he ends up going and kind of like chasing uh, Van Gogh around the Dutch countryside and he like takes the paintings and he like creates these set pieces where the paintings are where these people are walking. And it's just, you know, it's just like another level. It's an experience, you know, as opposed to like, let me put it this way. The one thing that I always want more than anything is to be able to go and sit and watch a movie and be not in that room. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be in that world. Yeah. You know? And like, consistently kurosawa does that for me so perfect it's like i said that, yeah. and that's why it's on your top five that's why you're in your top right. two is because yeah. of that so so number one for me is figured out years ago he's been my number one director for a long time he was figured out years ago because i looked at my favorite movies of all time and when i figured out that a number of my favorite music movies of all time were directed by this director I thought, well, then obviously he's one of my favorite directors of all time because they go hand in hand. Uh, David Fincher. Oh. So David, I mean, Seven, 
unbelievable movie. Uh, and then it also made me think Fight Club as well is one of my favorite movies of all time. And if you think about the movies, I also added in, obviously not by Fincher, but Shawshank Redemption. And then I figured out that if, does that mean my favorite actors of all time are Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman? <laughs> it's like, is that how that works? Or is that like, maybe but it, it could be, but I also think that a director has a lot more say in a movie than a lot of people understand and feel. Um, so like when they look at a movie, you look at Iron Man, for example, out of the, out of left field again, um, Robert Downey Jr. is the known for that movie. That's it. If you talk to the typical person, they're not going to say John Favreau. They're going to say Robert Downey Jr. Um, same thing with like Seven, Fight Club. Fight Club's always going to be known as Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. But then you look further that David Fincher was able to put this on the screen in the way that it was meant to be. Uh, take the script and make it into something that was meant to be. Um, seven, uh, again, something. My dad had never seen Fight Club and I made him watch it and he's like, oh my God, I can't believe I've never seen that movie. I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm, and you, ha- you watch it 15, 16 times and you're still catching on new things that make you go, oh my God. And so, uh, but then if you add in there, one of my favorite stories of all time or, or American history unsolved mysteries is Zodiac Killer. Like I could talk about and listen to anything about the Zodiac Killer forever. I've read all the books about it. I've read the most recent one um, called The Most Dangerous Animal of All. It's the guy who thought his dad was the Zodiac Killer. Um, so Zodiac gets in there too. He did a great job with Zodiac, I think. Um, then there's movies like Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Good movie. Again, a Brad Pitt movie. Um, <laughs> Social Network. Yep. Again, a fairly well-made movie, just not like you're, you're not going to be like your favorite movies of all time. Uh, but then Gone Girl. Gone Girl was absolutely an ext- unbelievable movie. Uh, and so, like, I don't know. There's something about his uh, storytelling and being able to create these movies that, to me, resonate for a long time. I couldn't pinpoint what they are, but, like, maybe that's something, the reason why he's my favorite director is that I can't pinpoint it, that it's just a movie they put in. If you told me a David Fincher made this movie, I'm likely going to be very happy with the successful or the uh, the ending of the movie. Um, he also made did Mindhunters, uh, the uh, movie that uh, the TV show I should say that was on Netflix for a while, which was absolutely fantastically made. Uh, and he was part of and produced or directed a few episodes of uh, House of Cards as well. So again, I think that's a great TV show as well. So other than the person who acted in it, because he's kind of a pile of trash, but. Um, yeah, so it's kind of funny how, like you mentioned, you're speechless about November 2 in a sense, or you, I mentioned it, but you kind of didn't know how to talk okay. about it. With David Fincher's the same way, where it's like, I don't know if I just, like I said, I didn't know who David Fincher was until I realized what my favorite movies were, were was Seven and Fight Club or definitely in that top list. Right. Um, and then I was like, oh, there's got to be a reason why they're in my top list is because right. of the fact that they're done by David Fincher. And his ability to put the actors the music the story all that together and create masterpieces like i said i mean seven is such a gruesome movie and it's a movie that you you know what happens um same thing with fight club like after you've seen it once you know the end of the movie but it's one of those movies you can put in and just watch it going the whole point of this movie in the theater was the fact that you didn't know what was gonna happen at the end like that was the whole thing at the end of fight club again it's been 25 years since fight club or whatever so i can say uh excuse me 21 years since fight club spoiler or, alert yeah i don't have to say spoiler alert but then you know that it wasn't real like the fact that it, you know he had a fake he had a visual friend it, that, that aspect that that bad pit wasn't a real person right. is 
crazy. The fact that, you know, seven, what's in the box? Like that stuff is just like, you know what's going to happen. But I, for some reason, always want to watch that movie. I don't care. I mean, I'm going to rent it again some point soon and watch it at your place because I just feel like seven would be a great movie to watch in a big theater with all the stuff that goes on. Um, and again, Gone Girl, again, another mystery thing where the end is weird. It's just, there's something about it um, that, you know, he just speaks to me in a way that I don't know how to explain, um, but becomes one of my favorite movies of all time. I will say a couple of funny things. Again, doing some research about these people that I didn't realize that he was an assistant cameraman on Return of the Jedi, which is pretty okay. cool. That and cool. he also had other roles behind the scenes uh, doing more production, like a more like on hands on deck things for Temple of Doom and the never ending story. So think about starting your career, working behind the scenes on those kind of movies right. and then leading yourself up to be able to direct movies that become again. I mean, people will agree with me that there's not like all time favorite movies, but if you say fight club, a lot of people are going to say they like that movie. There's not very right. many people out there who say they dislike that movie. Um, right. So, we're getting this. Maybe we'll do favorite films at some point. I feel like it's kind of weird to do because, again, there's not really. I'd rather do in genres or in styles. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if I had to pick movies I, out of a handful, if you give me like Gun to the Head, Seven and Fight Club would be on that list. Right. And that says a lot for a director. If I could have two of my favorite movies of all time become yeah. uh, directed by that person. So, David Fincher. Uh, Tiffany will be very happy to hear that she was lobbying for him she gave me like her own little list and he was on there she had mm -hmm. some other some other ones that were common with me some other ones that um you know were kind of also out there but uh david fincher was pretty high on her list and um i agree you know he, deft is the word that comes to mind he's just like you know uh director's director he's you know He's great. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, those and are also like, two of my favorite movies. They're just, you know, you, like you were saying, you know the ending. It's supposed to be like a surprise ending, and you, you can still watch it over and over again. Like that says something, you know. And it's like what you know, wanted them or want. I wanted my top fives to be like, oh, deep. Oh, that's like, oh my gosh, like you thought a lot right. about it. And it's like, no, if you think about it, like I said, my story behind it is I didn't know at the time because right. I wasn't that big into film yeah. that David Fincher directed both Seven and. Uh, fight club i just knew those movies were fantastic and then i right. go well that that does equate something i don't think like i said that it equates that brad pitt and morgan freeman are my favorite actors of all time i mean they're probably yeah. up there in quality actors but like yeah. it, it, i think something about the director to be able to put the film the story the actor to do all of it together does right. say something again score says he's in my top 10 but Leonardo dicaprio is never going to be in my top 10 actors of all time i guarantee right. you that he won't be in my so like that's the same thing they do a great job together right but that doesn't mean I'm yeah. per se going to be that they're my favorite actors of all time. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about like auteur and, you know, uh, directors that, you know, as soon as you see the image on the screen or you hear a piece of dialogue, you know who it is. Like, I think there's also something to be said for somebody like Fincher where it's just like, damn, this is good. Who directed this? You know? So like, and like, you don't, you know, you wouldn't necessarily know, like, I know like a Michael Mann film, I see it or Michael Bay film last year. You, know, you, you explode big explosions like, in the <laughs> Michael Bay has yeah. big explosions. You know that. I mean, yeah. Michael, Michael Mann, pretty good. Michael Bay, not so much, but like, <laughs> you know, kind of two sides of the same coin where it's like, you know, maybe not like my favorite director or anything like that. Still a signature style, but just because there's a signature on it doesn't make it good. Mm -hmm. And likewise, just because there isn't a signature on it doesn't make it bad, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting number one. I, I, I like your style. 
like I said, I think we had, when we talked at the top of this, like the idea we didn't know what the list actually like what the rules and quote unquote rules are. And I right. feel like it just, I mean, it was basically me deciding what 10 through two was, because again, if you take two of my top favorite movies of all time, for many reasons, the director has a lot to do with that. Then he's my favorite director of all time. Yeah. Well, my number one, uh, I, I think it's obvious, um, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Stanley Kubrick. Um, I think just like, undeniably the best director that we've ever seen and also probably my favorite director um it's just the he, he's like we you know I, I used the word master earlier referring to somebody i don't remember who it was <laughs> but the you know all other people are you know beholden to kubrick as far as i'm concerned when you ask me uh you know what's your favorite movie you know, I'm going to say, uh, no, no, Kill Bill Volume 1, maybe. But then I'm going to name three Kubrick movies, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, Doctor Strangelove, um, Clockwork Orange. Like, you know. The Shining. He's... Um, well, he did Full Metal Jacket, too, and Eyes Wide yeah, Shut, I mean, and The yeah. Shining, and yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, so just like off the power of those three, you're like... The, all three of those movies could like have a you know possibly a claim to be in top 10 top five mm -hmm. top you know i mean like i 2001 a space odyssey is probably just what he did there <laughs> this is just not normal no. you know <laughs> not at all you, you watch that movie you're confused a little bit but then you're like oh, yeah. it's just like artwork it's like it, it, it yeah. is because film's an art it, that, i think that's what people don't understand it's film's an art like it's it becomes more it's it's transcending 2001 yeah. space honestly is it's transcending yeah. and you know my favorite thing about watching like blu-ray features and everything like that is watching how they get around problems of physics or uh you know how are you going to make this thing look the way that it's supposed to look on a 40 foot screen, you know, and just like his creativity and just everything is just, it's unreal. Mm -hmm. um, and it, every film that he made, you, you can't necessarily say it's, it's perfect, but it was perfect according to Kubrick, you know, except for the shining. It's just like, you know, it, uh, heavy hand, you know, and um, there's that signature there, and it's just it's things that when you see it, you're like it's undeniable. That's good, in my opinion. I was trying to figure out. I mean, the last movie he directed was Eyes Wide Shut. Um, yeah, but Clockwork Orange, yeah, Doctor Strange, Love, yeah, Lolita, Spartacus. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, even like some of the lesser known things, like Barry Lyndon. Uh, was mm -hmm. filmed by candlelight like that's not <laughs> that's no. not how films work you know um that's not how this podcast is recorded we have we have, I have more than candlelight <laughs> in here <laughs> exactly exactly so um just there's so many levels to it all um when you talk about the things that he did and uh, again just like the creativity storytelling thinking outside the box, refusing to buckle to, you know, outside influences um, and just moving forward 
that like bar of mm-hmm. like what what is expected um from directors or from films or from the audience you know um it's <clears throat> good i uh yeah, i mean you know it's it, it's tough because it's like probably most people if they're making like a very generic top whatever list you know he is going to be in the top five top three top mm-hmm. one for a lot of people you know so like you know but uh, you know, I don't want. I'm not, I'm not gonna try to flex my street cred here and come up with some other obscure director that you never heard of. Like it's undeniable. Like he's number one. Correct, and it's you know, it's again. Uh, I think part of it has to do with my thinking. When you think about older directors, I mean, he, the last movie came out in '99. I was about to shot, which was 21 years ago. He died, what, three or four months before? He died in March of '99. That movie came out in July of '99. So he um didn't even actually get to see it in theaters or no one he needed to see how it well did um but part of that has to do with like to me if you look at my a lot of my list they've made movies in the past 20 years so i think right. part of that also has to do with the fact that like the difference between the historian and the cult or the film uh buff that you are in the film industry you're in compared to me as just a generic person um kubrick makes the movies are undeniably good obviously like they're not they just don't ring home and resonate as much with me because of the fact that he hasn't made a movie in 21 years, which obviously is very hard to do because he's dead. But like um, the idea that, um, you know, a lot of times things have to be like, and again, I I mean, my favorite director of all time is uh, David Fincher and the two movies that are my favorite movies of all time came out 21 and 25 years ago. So it's like, it's not like, but he has made movies since then. I think that's what brought brought it into the the, the forefront. Absolutely. That's completely understandable. Um, you know, it, and it's not like, uh, it's not, it's not something that you're going to throw on to watch, to relax. You know, I mean, maybe you want to throw 2001 on if you're <laughs> high, you know? Yeah. Yeah. On alternate, alternate reality. You know, if you just, if you just ate some mushrooms or what, man, like, cause like, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I hadn't seen that movie. I probably saw it for the first time six years ago. It just, mm-hmm. I just never got, I never was on like my list of things. I didn't date yeah. anybody or wasn't, wasn't close friends with anybody that had a love it's for a, that movie. Yeah. And, it's a so, project. It, and so when I put it on, I was like, oh, finally I'm going to watch this movie. So I put it on, I bought it on Blu-ray and I put it on. And at the end of the movie, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, then, yeah, like I said, that, but then again, as a person, not as a, um, uh, I hate the college student who's just out there to have fun and go yeah. out with their friends. Oh yeah. You have to think back on it and go, no, no, no. Okay. That wasn't a piece of art. It wasn't right. just a film to make money. It's not a Kevin right. Hart film. It's not a right. Will Ferrell film. It's a, it's a, a movie to make it's Kubrick was making a movie that he wanted to make And yeah. Honestly, on the other side of that, it's the same reason why I respect Kevin Smith. Like yeah. Kevin Smith is a, is a, he's a comedian. He's not a director. He makes right. movies because he can why do people why why are movies like tusk made and yoga hosiers and even clerks why were those movies made because he wanted to make them and he had the ability to make them it's the same thing with you and i if we wanted to go make a movie we should just go fucking make a movie i don't care it's because of he got to make what he wanted to and obviously kubrick's is a little bit more mainstream artwork whereas kevin smith's smoking a lot of weed and writing a movie but um 
the idea that just make what you want. He made what he wanted and did a great job with it. And so I would say he's definitely one of the greatest directors of all time. But again, I think part of it goes into all these lists that I do with people is it has to have something that talks to me inside. And that's why he didn't end up on my top 10. Right. Not that I'm trying to make excuses or why he didn't come up in my top 10, but nope. like, it's just, you have to reason why he's on yours and why Absolutely. he's on mine. It's because yeah. different, we're different people. <laughs> yeah, like it's absolutely. not, you know, but I did hear you like dance. Speaking of your wife, you, you, you becoming a fan of dance, Kevin dance now or what? Like what's going on here? All right. So I got, I, <laughs> this is like been making the rounds. I keep getting asked about it. Um, <laughs> what I would say is uh, we, we watched tree, uh, tree city sessions too. as like their live stream event. Like a week or two ago, we watched it in the theater, turned the sound way up, had a couple beers and um I didn't really get it before then because I would like hear it, you know, on the stereo or whatever. And um, I'm, you know, it's just kind of grating to me, I guess, maybe. Um, And not quite as dark as I like, you know, I like like really sludgy metal Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. blues and, you know, I listen to a lot of hip hop. So I'm like into drums and bass and stuff. But um, then I watched it and I got it. Like mm-hmm. to watch to watch musicians make things grounds it in reality and makes it a lot easier to like understand what's going on sonically, like when you can see them doing what they're doing, you know what I mean? And so like, am I going to like voluntarily listen to it on my own when she's not in the car? May probably not, you know. But like I kind of felt the same way about Coheed when I met her too. And then like saw them live and then like kind of started to get into a little bit. And yes, once I put Coheed on in the car by myself, you know, so, but like, let's say I have a newfound respect for dance, Gavin dance. And that's part of it. I think it's one of the things that like, there are certain bands, uh, one of my favorite bands, probably top 15, 20 favorite bands, it's the chariot. Um, they're heavy band or heavy band. But it's like something about their live performance that sold it to me. Like their music is okay, but it's like when you listen to their music, when you listen to a dance, Gavin dance now, you're going to picture this performance. Right. And that's what's going to make you go, oh, I don't mind these people. Like these aren't that bad. <laughs> because what you're going to end up doing with, with bands that you do like a lot is you're going to remember the time you saw them live or you watched a video clip online or their music video or whatever or it resonates differently for you, which is like the music alone. And so I do respect the idea that seeing them live kind of changes your mind on things like it, it does do that i just didn't like them for years like back at their older stuff and then this newer lineup has just like i just think i've nailed it out hit it out of the park so but i just love the fact that uh it's a positive story to talk about marriage and how great marriage is and that you can just listen to the other person's opinion on something and you know one of these days we'll get tiffany on the podcast and she can talk about how she's learned something from her husband as well because i guarantee you (laughs) but um well that's the thing is we should get you on a married into this podcast with taylor and i that 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 would be fun fun. so but the idea that i just wanted to throw that out there if anybody who doesn't know josh wasn't a huge fan of dance gavin dance his wife is a humongous fan of dance gavin dance the band uh i I am a humongous fan of dance gavin dance like there's literally like four messages that tiffany and i have ever sent back and forth to each other on facebook (laughs) and i think three out of four of them have to do with dance Gavin dance sounds accurate (laughs) yeah i want to be clear like i didn't hate them before yeah it was you just like seek out necessarily 
and I don't love them now, but I have respect and like I can now listen to it and kind of like groove a little bit. And understand why someone might like them. That's the other part about it. There's oh, definitely yeah, music. I mean, I still can't get under the understanding why anybody likes country music. So I don't right. like, I just, I don't, but I understand there's certain kind of music when Taylor puts a, a certain song and I'm like, Oh, I can understand why you like this song. Um, and that's why sometimes I get mad at people when they don't understand why I like a song. Right. <laughs> and the same thing will be about movies. If you want to get back to movies, there's yeah. times when I, people watch a movie like, eh, it was okay. I'm like, why don't you like that movie? <laughs> I just don't understand why you cannot like yeah. that movie. Like if anybody ever told me that Fight Club wasn't a good movie, I'm like, we need to watch it together right now. And you tell me why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I run into the problem where people come in here and they ask for suggestions <laughs> and then I send them something and they come out and they're just like, what? well, the first what, movie I ever watched was, there was a, cure, a cure for wellness. Yeah. What's wrong with that? A lot. <laughs> it was it was Friday the thirteenth. It was fun. We wanted to watch something we haven't seen before. All of us, the group of eight, we came with. Uh, this is back when you opened, uh, and it was definitely worth seeing it on Friday the thirteenth. It was definitely a good movie yeah. for that. It's, it's still a top of a conversation whenever we see those people again, either on <laughs> Zoom or phone calls, or whatever. Be like, remember when we watched that fucking creepy movie at Josh's place? <laughs> Uh, awesome. But now um, I'm going to do a quick rundown of my yeah. top 10 and we can close this up. Uh, number 10, James Gunn. Number nine, the Russo brothers. Eight, Martin Scorsese. Seven, John Favreau. Six, Tim Burton. Five, Quentin Tarantino. Four, Steven Spielberg. Three, Christian no Christopher Nolan, I should say. Two, Taika Waititi. And number one, David Fincher. All right. And I had, well, I switched them around at the last yeah. second, so we'll see if I get the order right. But uh, 10 was Terry Gilliam, 9 was the Coen Brothers, 8 was Werner Herzog, uh, number 7 was Wes Anderson, yes. number 6 was Darren David Aronofsky. Lynch. No, David, David Lynch. Lynch. Yep, I see what I did there. Yeah. David Lynch, number 6. Uh, number five is Darren Aronofsky. Yes. Number 4, Jean-Luc Godard. Number 3, Quentin Tarantino. Number 2, Akira Kurosawa and number one Kubrick Stanley Kubrick yes excellent and again I love it because honestly this is the first time we've done it and uh, Josh is only on our second list because we had a miscommunication in the first one uh, yeah. we'll go back and do it again in uh, a, a month or so but um, we did Christmas movies last time and we had a couple same ones on there again a little bit easier a lot less yeah. movies to go with <laughs> um, but that Josh and I only had Quentin Tarantino on our list that were the same on both, which is pretty cool because, again, I like the idea that Josh is different than me and my, my film expertise and his film expertise, um, yeah. which mine is zero and he has tons. So, um, however, all these movies or any – Josh has at least one film of every single one of these movies, I guarantee you, these directors, I guarantee you. Um, yeah, at Queen City Cinema Club that you can rent and, and watch in a theater, which would be really cool. Trey, you should rent a theater and watch the movie for free. That's how I should put it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the cool thing about it is with two completely top 10 lists, now they have 19 directors to go yes, through. Yes, go through. Yeah, exactly. The Tarantino movies twice. <laughs> well, there's like there's enough film. It's not like my James Gunn pick, which basically has movies you can watch Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, and then you yep. wait for Suicide Squad to come out. What about Slither? My, Oh, Slither is my favorite James Gunn movie, and that's the thing. Is I didn't mention things like that because I feel like what I wanted to do is the reason why he was on. I, I, yeah. Guardians and and the superhero part of it is my my love yeah. for James no, Gunn. Um, uh, my also love. 
my James Gunn love is the fact that is the definition of people can change. He had opinions years ago. He got crapped on on Twitter for, and I think part of the things we need to live, live in this world is, and especially now with what happened on the Capitol last week is um, there are people out there. There's horrible people out there that did what happened in the Capitol. However, there are some people out there who publicly oppose during certain things that are on the Republican side of things that have been able, I can't point them out, but there's definitely people who have come out and been like, okay, that was shitty. And so the same thing with James Gunn, James had a gun, had a history of saying some shitty things. Um, but he came out and said he apologized for it wait years ago. He apologized for it again and said he's different. Things have changed in his life. And I said, you know what? Not that I know him personally, but I'll give him credit for coming out and saying that things change. Uh, and again, uh, people can change. And that's why I like James Gunn is that it maybe is a definition of someone who can change their opinions. I changed my opinions years ago. I was way conservative, uh, right wing person years ago because of my upbringing. Um, but I can say today that I am not anymore. So <laughs> people can change. Um, but the last thing on that, uh, uh, capital, I don't want to go too political on this podcast ever. Cause I feel like just, it's just not who we are. Um, but it sucked. Um, people we're, United States of America, we're better than this. Uh, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Uh, we are better than this. Uh, and uh, we should just uh, stick with truth and uh, being together, united uh, as one body of people uh, and being more bipartisan on things. Um, we are definitely uh, in a weird part in this world in this, this lifetime. Uh, I was, Josh and I both were alive for 9-11. It was a shitty time in this world. The fact that someone else did that to us on 9 11 uh, was sad and disheartening. Uh, this is where more people died. Well, I want to admit, but this is worse to me in the heart because this is our own people who did this. Uh, this wasn't a foreign country. This wasn't, uh, you know, another world. This is our own people on our own doorstep that attacked our capital. And uh, it sucks because um, it made me really sad on last Wednesday to be an American for sure. Uh, people definitely, I still think we're the greatest country in the world. It made me, uh, it, sh it made me shake a little bit and get teary eyed on on Wednesday to see that someone would do that. So I don't know if you have anything to add, Josh, at all on that. You don't have to. I just, I thought it would be uh, stupid not to mention yeah. that something. I mean, I would just say that um, there are things in this world that we need to be able to know, and we should be able to know, and we should all be able to agree on that we know, and the um, the culture of misinformation that has been propagated over the last. Uh, we'll say decade they've been working on it uh, where we can't trust the media we can't trust scientists like it's just it's gotten to the point where everything is allowed to be said and we have to kind of accept that as uh, that's your opinion because there's no proof of anything mm -hmm. anymore um, and I think it's a really dangerous place to be so just as like uh, you know a, an academic somebody that loves to learn and somebody that's an educator and some you know i mean like all the things that go into me like just read a book please <laughs> people just like you know travel get outside your bubble you know once we're allowed to get outside yes. bubbles um you know watch things that you wouldn't necessarily watch read books that you wouldn't necessarily read like just try to learn as much about the way that the world works and um, I think getting that perspective uh, through travel or education or however it may be is really important right now because um, there are some people that are either being misled or leading other people astray. And uh, I think the best way to counteract that is through education and learning. And like you said, you know, respect for our fellow humans. 
we're all on this earth together and you know whether you care about you know global warming and happening 500 years from now whatever it happens in the future that's not our problem this is our problem right now and so while we walk through the streets and we do things in this area you got to walk by someone who might have an opposite opinion of you let's be civil about it uh like i said earlier i listened to someone when they told me that hateful eight wasn't good <laughs> and then took it as a thing but most of the time i don't right most of the time yeah. i make my own opinion about it because seeing it myself why can't we do that in normal life? Why can't right. we do that with normal things, uh, conspiracy theories and all that stuff? If you want to believe it, why do you just read all the stuff that, that makes yourself agree in it? Read some right. of the opposite side of things too and try to give them with your own opinion on it. Well, I'm hoping to have Joe. Yeah, I was just going to say, one of the first things I do when I hear something is go try to disprove it. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's, I mean, I used to watch ghost hunter shows and, uh, you know, Loch Ness monster shows. And a lot of the good ones are the ones that go to disprove that it actually exists. Right. Because if they find out that it is proven, that's great. But the idea is they should go out and try to disprove it and hope that either it gets proven or not. Um, I'm hoping to have Joe Baldacci. Um, uh, he's a state senator for uh, Maine on the podcast uh, in either this month or next. So hopefully we'll do a little bit of political things, but I just think we're going to go a little bit more local. Uh, he might say some things about it. Um, either next week or the week after, I still got a good clarification on it. We're going to have a, these two guys uh, who run a podcast called Friends from Work. Uh, they're two old friends from work who do a podcast uh, on all the different podcast platforms that are out there that they rewatched all 23 or 22 um, Marvel Cinematic Universe films up leading up to Endgame and did a badass podcast. They went through and they put it in a specific order. Uh, Taylor and I listened to it. They do a great job on that. And so um, they have agreed to come on the podcast. So another, yeah. it should be next week. Uh, we're hopefully recording on Sunday for the following Wednesday. I'm waiting to hear back on them again to verify for that. But so we have another movies based podcast next week. Uh, if not, it will be Maddie Robinson from Bissell. So that will be the week, either that or the week after. So we get some cool guests that are coming up. I'm hoping um, uh, get Kevin Eastman on with uh, Ben Bishop, hopefully towards our 50th episode. So we can talk the last Ronin. So we got some cool things coming up, but uh, I think we want to do a one point, do a superhero top favorite superhero movies, but I think I want to throw you in with Paul from galactic yeah. it kind of do a whole like a whole like pull list movie night kind of like together thing yep. so that'd be cool and then i talked i was thinking about it i took we took a bathroom break in the middle of this one and i was thinking about the idea that'd be kind of fun to do and i want to just lay the uh, easter the uh, you know groundwork for it to take the top 100 highest grossing films of all time which are going to be mainstream movies basically right and pick our top 10 out of those not our top okay. 10 but the top 10 best movies out of those, because they're not going to be good. Like they're right. going to be ones that are just like, <laughs> people just saw that because it's, I mean, frozen. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Those, it, it could be in your top 10, but it's kind of fun to put us in a box yeah. and try to see our way to figure out how to make a list out of something that we're maybe not big fans of. And so right. that would be kind of easy. Um, might be easier for me because there's a lot of Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, <laughs> maybe we can establish some ground rules or something. You know, there'll well, be a lot of Star out. Wars too, you know. It's, but it's that like, idea that put us into yeah. a box, like let's figure a box right. out because there will be at some point where we're going to run out of things because of the connections between all of these. Right. Um, but there might be a kind of a cool way to put us into a box. Like I said, the superhero yeah. movies, that puts us into a box. Uh, right. Whereas directors, there was no framework to that. We could have done right. directors of comedy films, directors of, you know, we could do more of that. But I think if we put ourselves in a weird box, yeah. Um, that'd be kind of cool too. And I also thought yeah. it'd be kind of cool to do ones that are called like on, um, your, uh, uh, guilty pleasure movies, movies that yeah. you're kind of afraid to say that you like yeah. on this podcast. You, so. you know that you like them, but you also know that you shouldn't say it. 
Like they're never going to end up on any on the other top ten right. list ever. Would, it's just I, that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite ideas you've had. That sounds good. Yeah, so I think I go with it. So, but uh, yeah, Josh owns Queen City Cinema Club in Bangor. Uh, go see them. You can rent a theater. He has all of the uh, COVID protocols in place. He's doing a great job down there. Him and his wife are killing it. Uh, great food. You can rent to two or two private theaters. You can play what video games now. You have like uh, arcade yeah. games. You have. Yeah. Um, Board games you can rent. It's unbelievable. QueenCityCinemaClub.com. You can follow them on Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that too. Um, thanks, Josh. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming on, man. It's been a long time, um, but I can't wait to hang out with you again. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that'll be but good. It's fun. So, uh, and stay safe, man. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, I think you pretty much covered it. I mean, we're just looking forward to getting back to regular business. Like I said, we've been doing takeout and you know, we get, uh, theaters have been pumping pretty good. Um, but we're looking forward to getting people back in feeling completely secure, um, and being able to be around other people mostly, you know, so we miss having shows. The funny thing is one thing I will say about 2021 hasn't started off very good, but I know we have a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel in a sense. I, I think with, with vaccines coming out and with, now that we're in the middle of the winter as the spring progresses there'll be some more uh, dips in some cases and stuff like that i know it's pretty bad right now but like I, I the one thing i didn't think we saw in 2020 was an end and i just feel like at least in 2021 there might be an end which is nice yeah. so um Absolutely. it may not be till the spring or summer but i feel like there is an end and that's something we can all look forward to doing uh, and going as, as, as long as i get to bonnaroo in september i'm, I'm happy <laughs> exactly right it's that's all we're looking forward to is let's pick something in 2021 maybe the fall of 2021 that we can look forward yeah. to and bonnaroo in september is your yeah. thing so yeah sweet new man new year's eve 2021 queen city cinema club we're coming <laughs> have a good one man all right you too